the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we begin a series called God. We'll take a look at some of his attributes, characteristics, the nature of God. And it all begins next, here on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church, right here in Hercules. Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. With today's broadcast, we begin a small series simply entitled God. We'll take a look at a couple of his attributes and a question at the end of our series. Can he be trusted? We begin by looking at his wrath. You see, it's only understanding his wrath that we can then go on to understand why he is worthy of glory and adoration. Please join us with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. Turn, if you will, to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament. This was the second giving of the law just before Israel was to cross Jordan to repeat of God's plea to his people to please do what he says. But it is the text for the most famous sermon ever preached in America. It's the text for Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This sermon has probably been evaluated, dissected, criticized, preached, repeated more than any other sermon. Preached in the 1700s by the greatest mind that America ever produced. Many have said that. Yale has published the sermons of Jonathan Edwards. I forget how many volumes there are that that uh, institution printed everything he said. And his text was taken from Deuteronomy. And let us look at it. Chapter 32, begin with verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Recompense means payback. I'm a payback, God. You hear that in the street. I'm going to pay you back. God said, I'm a God of vengeance, and I'm a God of payback. For the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. As Edwards described, the state of the loss and living on slippery ground. His language was so astounding as he described the state of the unsaved as hanging on a spider web, open the open and gaping mouth of hell. He said, you are hanging over hell on a spider web that can break any moment. 
You're walking across a termite-infested bridge that will cave in any morning, any moment. You're walking over a thin thatch roof by which you may break through any moment. And as he preached and described the state of the lost, they begin to scream, they begin to yell, they begin to cling to the pillars of the church, and many criticize that as emotionalism, as people were overwhelmed with fear, grief, and pain. For you see, in New England at the time of Jonathan Edwards, you had to go to church. Church was run by the city hall, was run by a committee, what we would call the uh, local city hall government. Uh, They would run it. You were not necessarily saved. And so he's preaching You're in a dangerous, dangerous place. It goes on. Pick up verse 40. For I lift my hand to heaven and swear, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. With the blood of the slain and the captives, from the long hatred heads of the enemy, rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversary. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. I've spoken so far four sermons on the love of God. Today I want to talk about the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Look at Psalms 7 and verse 11. 711, and we're not throwing dice. God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation or anger every day. You see that? He feels indignation every day. Or what do you do with Proverbs? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Does God hate anything? I heard some say no. Some said. Verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. A Hebrew euphemism for pride. High-browed. A lying tongue. And all of you were born liars. We started lying from the first time we were threatened to be spanked. We're all born liars. Psalm says that from the womb we went lying. Uh, And hands that shed innocent blood. Baby, give me the ounce and blow you away. God said, I hate you. A heart that devises wicked schemes. 
We make more from pornography than every movie produced in Hollywood this year. The movie industry is beat by the pornography industry. And all we want to do is capture, we just had a local official arrested because he's selling child pornography. You can't imagine a public official taking pride in selling children, filming them, and selling to cleanse and to feed his dirty mind with seven-year-old girls. You cannot believe what a Katie Anderson says that the girls are missing in Nepal after the age of 12 because they're sold to the brothels of India. People don't do that to people, do they? People won't shoot you for an ounce of coke, will they? We had one of the young men of our church. His father was the uh, fire captain, fire chief, not fire, rather police chief of Richmond. Blew his boy away over a drug deal gone bad. You wouldn't kill a man over a plant, would you? Yeah, we're doing it all the time. We've gotten good at it. Dylan had a line, there's so much evil and so much trouble, you can't keep track of it no more. And you can't. You can't. I hate a lying tongue. I hate those who kill. I hate those that devise wicked plans. Feet that make haste to do evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one, oh my, who sows discord among brothers. Never heard of so many families that can't stand each other. I hate my brother, I hate my sister. And all, oh, they're fighting over a thousand dollar will. But they've learned to hate each other over a low down dollar. Some misunderstanding. We don't talk anymore. You don't. No, that's your brother. That's just it. Well, we don't talk to each other. No, that can't be. Oh, it is. It is. It is. God said, I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to look at three things about the wrath of God. Number one, the meaning of it. What do we mean when we talk about God has wrath? Two, I want us to look at human beings live with the menace, the uh, imminent threat that God's wrath may fall on them, the menace of divine wrath, and finally, the means of escaping divine wrath. What's the meaning of divine wrath? What are we saying? Many professed believers, uh, they're afraid to talk about a God that uh, is going to judge, a God that gets angry. They, they think it's, uh, oh, oh, you're a hellfire brimstone preacher. Well, I'm not, but Jesus was. Nobody warned us more about hell than the one who did the most to keep you from going there. Jesus. They say, well, boy, you sound like some Appalachian uh, fanatical, wild-eyed priest. No, I'm a Bible preacher, so I preach what God says. And God never did hide the fact that he's angry and wrath is coming. He never did hide that. Well, you've got to tell them about the love of God. I've been telling you for four weeks about it when I was here. I got a ta- out of town on the love of God. I'm coming back on the wrath of God. You might hope I take another vacation. I think we've lost this because God is holy at the same time he loves. 
God is just at the same time he loves. And so we call it the holy love of God. God, we make it easy. One man said, God has to forgive, that's his job. God doesn't have to forgive you. I said, God doesn't have to forgive you. You don't dictate the terms of whether he forgives you. If God doesn't want to forgive you, he won't. And he'll be just. He'll be righteous. Come on, God, you got to forgive. I blew it. I hate. I did the. Uh, forgive. Keep up your job. Oh, no, 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 no. It was one of the greatest dilemmas that God had to deal with. How can I make a command to people, don't do this, and then do it, and now what am I supposed to do? Be a indulgent parent that said, well, I didn't mean it. Then, if I judge them, like I said, Adam, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. If you do, I'm going to kill you. No, you won't. Yes, I will. You're listening to the devil, and I am going to kill you. And we've been dying ever since Genesis 3. We've been burying millions of people. We've been born with spiritual death. We've been born in uh, isolation, separation from God. Because God said, I will keep my word, and when I prescribe penalty, I must carry out my word. I will not accommodate your sin. Because I'm holy, and I'm telling the truth. I am always righteous when I'm angry. My wife, she gets nervous if she thinks I'm getting angry. She hadn't seen anything in this marriage. She hadn't seen what but according to Proverbs, an angry man is a fool and to be avoided. Anger in our way of living uh, means someone out of control, someone uh, uh, doing something irrational. Listen to what it means when we come to God. When we say God has wrath, it's never capricious, self-indulgent. It's not irritability. It's not emotional. It's not morally ignoble that human anger usually is. James says, human anger, we normally do anything right. God is always right when he's angry. He's angry for the right reasons. And he's angry in the right way. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. God is only angry where anger is called for. Even among men, there is such a thing as righteous indignation, though it is perhaps rarely found. But all God's indignation is righteous. Arthur Pink said this, Scripture never hides the fact of God's wrath. He said, vengeance is mine. He will deal with those who hate him. He said that. And you can't get enough John 3.16 to get rid of it. He's the same God. The attributes are not at war with each other. He's not more holy than he's loving, and he's not more loving than he's holy. He is strictly balanced. He has all of his attributes in total balance. They're not in competition with each other. Oh, I want to love them, but I'll have to give up my holiness. I want to love them, so I've got to give up my righteousness. No, no. All of his attributes are equal. He, he can love you while he hates what you are and what you've done. 
And we'll find out how he solved that. Great dilemma for God to forgive people who hate him. Great dilemma for God to forgive people who he said, I'm going to judge. So how does he deal with the problem? Well, uh, we're looking at this some more. Anger is a part of the holy nature of God. Look at what Romans says about God's anger, why he's angry. Look at Romans. Paul is introducing the greatest thesis in the Bible on the gospel, Romans. It is the, you don't know the gospel very well if you don't know Romans. The whole book is writing on what the justice of God is. He says, first of all, my gospel offers you a righteousness with God by faith. Beautiful, beautiful. 1, 16 and 17. We've got good news. Good. I don't need it. I'm driving a nice car, got a good retirement account, and I'm an American. Give it to somebody. Nietzsche said Christianity makes people sick because they only offer hope to the sick. If you're well, you don't need Christianity. That was Nietzsche. He said it was a crutch for weak people. But listen to what Paul says. The reason you need this gospel is this is where you're living and how God sees you. Watch verse 18. For the wrath of God, the righteous anger of God, is presently being revealed. It's a present tense. It's being revealed from heaven why? He's moody? He's touchy? No. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because men choose not to revere me and men choose not to obey me, I'm going to reveal my wrath. I'm going to turn them over to sin. I want to turn them over to gross immorality. I want to turn them over to idolatry. And then he comes to the end of the section, and he names 31 sins in the book. He comes to the end, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil covetousness, malice, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. He goes on. In chapter 2, and he says, the Jew who claims to be right with God, he's under judgment too. He judges the Gentiles, but he's just as guilty. Then in verse 4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
He's going to judge every man according to his works. And he keeps going on. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. The wrath of God is God's holy revulsion with everything unlike him. Everything that's been against him and has broken his commandments. God said, I'm going to get vengeance. I'm going to pay you back. For the wages of sin is not a pat on the back, but death. Not just physical death, but I'm going to separate you and put you out of my sight forever. Now, who lives with this threat? Who lives with this kind of threat over them? Turn with me to John 3.16. John 3.16. You all know it. Let us follow it out. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Don't we all know that verse? Is it not wonderful? But watch verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And the word condemn meant to make you liable to penalty. He didn't come to put you under penalty. I found you condemned is what he's saying. I found you already like this. So I didn't come to produce the condemnation. I found you living under this state. So I didn't come to condemn you. I found you this way. But in order that the world might be saved through him, I came to save you from righteous judgment to come. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You've not put your trust in God's Son. That's your condemnation. Then he says, watch. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds, their works were evil. We came in the room, we threw on the light, and you threw it off. Said, what I'm doing in this room is so evil and bad, I don't want you to see it. I've chosen darkness. And Christ says, if you choose to remain in the dark, I've made a place of outer darkness. Hell is just the continuation of your refusal to come to the light. Then he says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, what's the conclusion of chapter 3? We never read this verse. Verse 36. Verse 36. Are you there? Okay. Watch this verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life right now. You get it now. Whoever does not obey the Son, which is an equivalent of believe, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Is that true? 
When God found you, notice how he describes you. Look at Ephesians 2. And you were dead, verse 1, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were children who were living under the divine wrath of God. Now we are closing on somewhat a dark note. I promise, though, next week as we continue our series on God, we'll get to some brighter pasture. And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, Or, better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And then, if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-833. 9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.